Welcome. I'm an international adoptee and host of the Anna Ginger Show, who believes that we all experience adoption in our lives. We actively choose the people, values, and experiences that create who we are and who we are yet to be. And this is why I invite you to listen to the guest and creative content that guides us to knowing that we each have a home in this world, cradled in the belief that we belong, that we are worthy, and that we are loved. So stay tuned and you may discover your own adoption story. Now recently I read this Psychology Today article about the science of intuition and the author writes that we must know and trust that intuition is rooted in science. Gut feelings are the result of many channels of information processing and provide a roadmap that integrates our emotions and physical sensations with a given environment. And learning to read all the input from the world means balancing reason with emotion held within the stillness at our core. And I love that so much. And I trust in my gut that I know that you're going to love our guest, Kathy Krebs. And so, Kathy, welcome to the Anna Ginger Show. Thank you, Anna. Well, you shared, and we've had, um, we've known each other for quite a while, but you shared two remarkable intuition incidents connected to your adoption story. But I'm going to start with first how you came to be an adoptee, if you could share with our listeners your adoption story. Yes, I'd be happy to. You know, I was a seven year old little girl who felt very lost because all of a sudden I didn't have a mom or a dad. I was taken away from my biological parents due to the fact they couldn't take care of me, provide for me, and I was actually placed in a county home due to the fact there were five siblings that were being placed and there was not enough beds in the orphanage. So that is how I became a very lost little girl. Mm. However, I met this man who came to the county home and he had a produce. He delivered feed to, for the animals there at the county home. And he came in to say hi to myself, my brothers, and three sister siblings. Beknownst, unbeknownst to me, in the background, he went home, told his wife they wanted to adopt some of these children. Um, because we were older and there were five of us, it's more difficult in the state of Iowa to find a placement for all of us together. My adoptive parents-to-be were also in their 50s, so they were considered old for an adoptive parent. Ooh, I don't uh, like hearing that, Kathy. I just turned 50. That's very. Those are very young parents, let's just say. I know, very young parents, and I'm 10-plus years past <laughs> that, Anna, so it's still very young. However, they hired a private attorney, and um, one the case to adopt my brother and I as the older siblings. So like I had shared before, I was seven years old. My brother was five years old. We came to live my with my new parents in February of 1963. I once again had a mom and a dad, hmm. which was wonderful. But there was still some really lost unanswered questions for me being an older child that I remembered some of the things. One of the things that you mentioned as one of the incidents that came up for me was my family went to a family picnic in Winterset, same park, same shelter house every summer. And the second year that my parents took us to that picnic, 
I played with two little red-headed girls, went back and told my mom and dad, I played with my sisters today. My mother panicked. My dad said, oh, honey, I don't think that could be because you're just thinking of them. Well, those two little girls never left my mind. And the next summer, we went back to the same park, the same shelter house, and the same two little girls were on the playground. So I played with them for a little while, went back to my dad. I didn't go to my mom this time. And I said, Daddy, I played with my sisters again. They're here, and I'm going to go find their mom and dad. Well, in a little hurry, he kind of grabbed me by the shoulders, gave me a hug, and said, let's let Daddy go with you. So he did know that there was really something in my gut, in my feelings, in my knowing that there was some relationship, some connection that I was looking for. So he took me over. We met their parents. They sent us all back to the playground to play, talk to their folks. And as they all discovered, yes, we were biological sisters. Wow. Um, You know, they let us play the rest of the time, spend time. And then the parents had to figure out, what do we do in this situation? Because our adoption was a closed adoption. I, at that time, didn't have open adoptions. So all the records were closed. Um, And in getting together, they decided maybe we could see each other at Christmas. So at Christmas time, um, we planned and we went over to my two sisters' um, house. And uh, the girls started to ask questions Uh, Patty especially because she was just two and a half years younger than I am and she didn't remember anything but I remembered a lot of things a lot of emotions and I struggled as to how do I tell her anything that she doesn't know how do I know if my memories are really accurate is it something I really did experience as a child Or was it something I wanted to be there? Like there were pink curtains in the last bedroom that we had, but there are no blankets on the bed. Were those really true or were those just imaginations? And and remind the listener, Kathy, so at this time you're seven or how old are you when you're playing with these little, your sisters at the park? I was eight at that time. So it was another year. It was the second year of our adoption. That I was eight years old. And so your sisters are asking questions about like, just like, what was the house like? Were they asking questions about your biological family? Yes, they were asking questions. Did we have a mommy and a daddy? Mm. What were their names? I remembered their names, but I was kind of scared. I didn't know, should I tell them their names? Because they didn't remember them. And were you given when you... Um, were able to get together with your siblings at Christmas. Did your adoptive parents talk to you a little bit about what you should say, or did they give you any guidance about how this interaction would go? No, they really didn't because they were so unsure of everything as well. Mm. And this really came to light about the girls asking after we had been together. Our parents kind of stayed with us as much as possible. And then, um, the girls, 
parents. And like I said, it was only two of the girls that had been adopted by this particular family. Um, their parents were really concerned that the girls were too young to have information from me, not knowing if it was really information that had facts behind it, or was it something that was in my imagination? And so at that point, they decided that maybe we were too young to spend too much time together. So they requested my parents. Um, I was really sad. I was really sad because I had these new sisters. I had found them. They were my real sisters. Mm -hmm. And now I couldn't see them. Yeah, that had to have been hard. And at eight years old, being asked those questions and having that burden placed on you must have felt pretty overwhelming. It did. And it it brought back one memory, Anna, that just comes to my mind right now that I had always been in a position, put in a position to take care of my siblings because I was the oldest. I had this memory of pushing a chair up to a kitchen counter and making raw hamburger sandwiches, salting them, putting the bread top on, and feeding us for lunch because our parents weren't around to feed us. Yeah, and you had to have been, what, six? I was six or a little younger even when that was taking place, yes. Yeah, that's a that's a lot for a six-year-old. I mean, I'm 50 and I can barely put together a hamburger. <laughs> and I bet you cook it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I don't know about that. Um, cereal's my better thing. So that's a lot for you to be able to and have that encounter. And I just want to go back into that first um, time with your, your siblings at this playground. Something in your gut knew that they were your sisters. And other than the red hair, was there a feeling that you felt or a connection? There was. There there was a feeling that I felt, and I believe they felt it too, because we just instantly started playing. We started talking. We even held hands. Um, You know, I pushed them on the swings, and we just were like almost an inseparable feeling. Yeah, well, that's a, that is a lot. And so I think, you know, when I hear you talk and describe the reactions to the adults in the room where there's that fear um, and then trying to figure out and at the same time do what's right for each of you and all that coming into conflict in some ways. Yes, yes. When you think about that, do you wish that, um, do you think there was something that could have been done that would have been different that would have been helpful? I really... At this point in my life, I can't think of anything that really would have. I probably understand more because they had very different parenting styles. Mm -hmm. And to bring us back together as a group, sibling, children, that part of it was really a split. And I think it would have I feel now it probably would have been maybe more traumatic Mm. again than for them to try and put something together that really wasn't on the same page at that time. I see. So at at this time, at that time, and then reflecting now, are you glad that you were able to reconnect with your siblings, your two sisters at the picnic? Oh, I am definitely. I am definitely. And then it was uh, two years later. So 
within five years of my adoption, I had put together all five of my siblings. I went to a small school, um, Dexfield was the name, and uh, we had what was called the ungraded room. And there was another little redheaded girl that I saw the back of on a new day in school. And I told my best friend, Mindy, as we stood in the restroom line in the hallway, don't say anything to anybody because they'll make fun of me because that new girl in Mrs. Baker's room, the ungraded room, she's my other sister. And I never saw her face. I only saw the back of her head. When my best friend Mindy and I worked at the lunch line, Mrs. Baker was one of the first classes that came through, and only she and her assistant would come and get the trays and then take them to the room. And Mindy said to Mrs. Baker, Kathy thinks that new girl in your room is her sister. And Mrs. Baker said, well, Kathy, why would you think that? I said, because her name is Carol Long, and I know she's my sister. Mrs. Baker literally dropped her food tray. That was her name. And she was my sister. And how was that confirmed? Well, then they had to check all of the records and they contacted my parents to get them over to the school because my little brother went to the same school. They needed to let him know so that rumors didn't get to him about this little girl being our um, biological sibling. And our parents, along with contacting the um, agency that had placed her in the home of a foster family, and they all confirmed that, yes, it was indeed my sister. The foster family um, was not supposed to have her. What had happened, there was a typo in the records, and it stated that she was only to be placed in mine and my brother's school system or my two adopted sister's school system. The records were supposed to say were not to place her in those two school systems. Yikes. However, that had taken place. And as I mentioned, the foster home did not work out for Carolyn. It um, was found to be somewhat of an unsafe environment for her. So she was moved to the Woodward State Hospital, which I believe we know as the Woodward Academy now. And that is actually where she grew up. Yes, because and what is an I, ungraded classroom? What what does that mean for Caroline? An ungraded classroom is a classroom where students have the inability to complete academic work. They may need speech therapy. They may need, um, you know, at that time they called her, her diagnosis was severely mentally retarded. Mm-hmm. At that time. At the time, yes, we don't use that term anymore. Thank goodness. Yes. And so were you able to connect with Carolyn then? And then since you were able to identify that this was your sister and you felt that connection, what kind of interactions did you have with her? Well, this was close to the Christmas time. So again, at Christmas, my parents contact the county um, folks at the county home and then Homer was the guy that uh, we knew as the manager there. He contacted the um, county offices and got permission for my parents to pick Carolyn up and bring her to our home for Christmas that year. 
So we did get to spend Christmas there. Communication was very difficult because Carolyn couldn't speak. She couldn't communicate much. Um, she would just touch your hands, lots of hugs. And she really took to my little brother. You know, he was, he was just like a hero to her, even though she couldn't speak or anything. Over the years, um, as she was at Woodward, I would go to see Carolyn. And when I would walk in her room, she didn't know me at all. She had, um, had to start wearing a helmet um, because she was a headbanger. She would bang her heads on the wall, on her bed when she was confused, when she was angry, when she just couldn't um, connect to the outside world, outside of her own being. And I could walk out of the room and five minutes later, I would walk back in the room and she had no idea who I was. But after my visits, she would have hours of confusion and really upset to her. And so, you know, in working with like my minister and my faith, I came to realize that Carolyn was okay in the world she was living in and that she could exist in that world but I couldn't be part of her world because it was harder for her. And I just couldn't do that. So I have not seen her for almost 35 years. I do get reports. Um, and actually she is now placed back in the Dallas County home where we all started out together as our little lost family and um, is doing well in her world. She is in her late 50s. Um, they estimated she would probably live to be 21 to 24 years old. So she's been a miracle in that as well. But I still connected to all five of my siblings back together in five years. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a pretty remarkable thing to accomplish as the oldest of the family. And so when you think about those connections and those Christmases and um, identifying your biological siblings, what do you think that means for you? And why do you think that was that you were meant to do that, to bring all of you together to know of each other's presence? I just think part of it, God sent me there to have this connection and to give them a chance to feel my sense that even though we weren't able to stay with our biological parents, we weren't able to be adopted together, there was always a togetherness for us. And everything else in our life would fall in place as it was meant to be. But I think that connection was something that I felt and I wanted them to feel would never be shattered for us. It would always be there for us. 
Yeah, I love that connection. And one of the connections I wanted to do is, um, on the show is that I, I connect you to a musician and our music producer, Nick Kazernas. I was so excited to tell him that you were going to be a guest on the show. And he's picked a song for you, All the Space, after learning about your story. So we're going to listen to that song and then we're going to come back and we're going to, um, explore why he picked the song for your particular story. So here's All the Space by Nick Kazernas.
So we're just listening to Nick Kazernis, who picked his song All the Space for Kathy's Story. And he writes about the song that it was um, layers and layers of music and sound until he and Kate were both barely playing anything. And at that point, the song sounded full and meaningful. And I felt like it made the perfect closing song to the album, a gentle and loving send off to go out into the world in peace and happiness, even while the world was unknown. And so as you think about the the music and what Nick wrote for you, Kathy, how did you connect to the song? I think, you know, the song was so moving. I've listened to it over and over and over, and it really gave me that sense of knowing that you can belong. You can belong. You can be loved. I really hold a faith that, um, you know, there are no barriers in that song helped me see that you could come up to that barrier, but that barrier can sometimes be moved. But only if you have your faith that you can move it, you can hold a connection. You know, because really connections are hard. They're challenging. Um, You know, and sometimes you can really easily give up. But I believe that if you have a faith that you can overcome those challenges and know that somewhere in this world, there is a place for you to belong and that there is someone that will always show you love. Oh, that, thank you so much for sharing your, uh, your story, Kathy. And I was going to ask you too, as we come to the close of our time, because I think your story is about connection and intuition and love and uh, compassion. So for those that have this gut feeling and they don't want to trust it, what would you share with that individual who's afraid of trusting their gut? Give yourself a big hug and go for it. That's a good one. And also in these, um, in these last moments too that we have together. So what do you think you have learned from this story from the beginning of being adopted and connecting with your siblings your biological mother at coming to the funeral and coming to the end, as you think about this, what, what does it mean for you? What it means for me is that um, I all my life have been a people person wanting to help people. I have in my heart more to give than I have ever to receive. And if you're an individual who finds within yourself that you want to give, whether you volunteer, whether you are searching for someone, don't ever give up on yourself. Um, When you can believe in yourself and believe in your trust of your feelings, find others who will stand by you with you. You can connect in the world and you will be loved, and you can find peace that way. Oh, that is beautiful. Again, thank you so much for spending time with us to share your story. And Nick, thank you so much for sharing the perfect song to match to Kathy's story and making that creative and interchange so absolutely perfect. 
Uh, thank you to Adam Rich with WOUB for engineering and editing today's program. Our subject matter expert is Dr. Melissa Rizzo, and our storytelling producer and engineer is Zoe Lambert. Our creative and editing team includes Maddie, Maya, Alexa, Linnea, and Mark. And our music producer, mm, fabulous Nick Kazernas, who's been writing genre-twisting songs for over 30 years, including this show's theme song, Way to Me. And I am your host, Anna Jinja, signing off with a reminder that the key to unlocking all things good in this world is love, like Kathy said. Here, you are loved and you are home. Always a friend and fan, this is Anna Jinja wishing you days filled with love, laughter, and peace. <laughs>